everybody. Welcome to episode 103 of the Go Gorilla Filmcast, your source for all things indie film. I am one of your hosts, Sashia Dumont. I'm another host, and my name is Paul. How are you? Paul. Just Paul. Like fine share? today. Yeah. I'm going to do Paul today. Okay. I mean, you know, uh, why not just break a two-year-old tradition yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden? That's great. Um, so... What's life without whimsy? You know what I mean? Shut up. Um, so this has been this week has been a doozy. Yeah. yeah this week has sure. been a doozy. Um we are we we had a, a some of it intentional, some of it unintentional. Actually, one of the things that we're reviewing today I intentionally sought out, but it had been on ironically, it had been on my list for well, probably like four months now. Mm-hmm. And uh and then the other two, uh, two are shows that we um, that we got into again. Things that I was like, oh, okay, you know. So the first of all, we're just gonna we're just gonna uh, preface by let's preface. Let's preface. Let's do it. Uh, we're gonna preface by uh, preface said episode. Um, we're in a very political time. Mm-hmm. There's no avoiding this. It's true. And I think if like we had an extermination business. I'd be like, probably shouldn't talk politics. Mm. Yeah. Um, we've had, which doesn't stop people. We've had like uh, plumbers and workers come to our home and just like very openly express their political views. Yeah. And I'm thinking that doesn't seem smart. <laughs> you know? uh, but in entertainment, I, and this is argued, this is something that's argued by many, like just stay in your lane, you know, just talk yeah. entertainment. Um, but there's... That's that's a that's kind of a double-edged sword because when there is inequality in entertainment, then that opens up a door. Yeah. So. Um, and look, just because you are an athlete or a movie star or a director or who, who says movie star? Movie star. You're a movie star, kid. <laughs> Doesn't mean that you can't voice your opinion on something because you know you're a person with an opinion. Yeah. And if you don't. You know, if you're somebody that doesn't agree with that person, then you don't. And that's for both sides, right? I mean, you you know, we live in a very divisive time. I mean, it's I guess it's always been divisive, but it's just more apparent now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I don't know. I just feel like everybody has a right to their opinion and everybody has a right to not agree with someone's opinion. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But the film industry in particular, I feel kind of is is a good way to express your opinions because... There's so look. There's so many movies from sci-fi to action to dramas to whatever that are about socio-political issues mm-hmm. and and everything. And I feel like it's a great way to. Hence, we've been living in a giant Black Mirror episode for the past. Yeah. I mean, pretty much the past hundred years. It's also uh, a great way to several to hundred educate years. yourself on yeah. issues. So I think I, the two are are um, linked to a degree. You know. Yeah, and I mean, I understand. I I understand how annoying it can seem at an award show, for instance. To me, it's not because people take a, t- a political stance. It's because, like, as Ricky Gervais has pointed out, you're coming you're coming at the public from a very privileged right. background, and so it's like I don't want to hear shit from you. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> that does get annoying. Um, but I I never understood like, well, just stay in your lane if you're in entertainment and just entertain people, and it's like, well. Then I then by those standards, I just I should say that, you know, politicians should just worry about politics, but they don't. Yeah. Uh, one might say that, uh, I don't know, like the leader of a country should stay off of social media. Yet there they are. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's and I love that it's it's the same mentality that's like, you know, oh, we live in a free country. Yet when you express your opinion, then you should just stay in your lane. Yeah. It's pretty ironic and adorable. Uh, so <laughs> having said that, we've never shied away from politics. I just try not to incorporate it in every single episode because it is about entertainment and, you know, yeah. we talk about stuff. But um, so some some lessons have been learned this week and some experiences that we've had. Uh, it, I'm, I'm going to be very transparent. We've lost some friends <laughs> over the political climate mm-hmm. and opposing views and the, the rights to those views. And um, again, it's uh, I think this was also a. Uh, a really good example of being held accountable on all aspects of, of this topic. Um, as I had said, I tend not to bring a lot of like, for instance, I wouldn't, I wouldn't post anything overtly political 
for the sake of it on a business page. Right. People are going to come at you and they're going to call you out. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's, you know, you and I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that. You just have to deal with the consequences. For instance, if I put something up on Send 3 that is against racism and somebody's like, well, I'm never going to watch your movies again. I'd be like, cool, don't. (laughs) I'm going to defend that, but I'm not going to get upset because somebody opposes that and doesn't want to watch my movies anymore. Then don't watch my movies. But I think there's a huge difference between, you know, if you own a business like, you know, Send 3 obviously is, you know, we have our political stance and we can make that known so people know where we stand and if they want to align themselves with us or not mm-hmm. um, versus just using that solely as a platform for, you know, activism, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it gets tricky that way, um, which, you know, some people do and that's great, you know, all for it. But I, I feel like it, it can be very tricky because just from a uh, marketing standpoint, and I'm not demeaning anything here. I'm just saying from a marketing standpoint, a lot of times you want to have a singular message, you know, in in movies that you're making or whatever. I mean, people, as it is, people like get confused if you do a horror film and then a comedy and you're like, well, wait, what yeah. do you make? You can only do one thing. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's important to to feel that you can voice your um, opinions on matters from a business, um, but then also kind of. You know, we expect look, what comes that with. That. Yeah, there's you've seen it all. I mean, I think people expect to know where companies stand on stuff. And if you know, if if a company doesn't come out against something, some injustice or whatever, then that could be seen as a negative thing. That's just the climate that we live in. And um, I think I don't know. I don't want to say that companies have a should should there's a lot of companies that just don't want to get involved in it in, in it yeah you know and but I, I mean i think it's important to look you know if if that's your stance and, and if it's something that you believe in then you shouldn't worry about who you're going to lose over it right you know that's that's just kind of how it is i don't know you, you you have to expect people to respond to things and so if having an, an episode like we are today where we're talking about uh where everything has a political theme if that bothers you hmm. and you don't agree with it, then you don't agree with it. And, you know, if you're if you're going to dismiss the entire existence of the show, deuces. Yeah. I'm, like, yeah. I'm not crying about it. Um, so let's get let's let let's let's get on to it. Let's get on to it. So the the first show that we watched um when it comes to any type of series, we tend to wait, as you know, because it's like every week being like, so on today's episode, I can't talk about like every single episode. I mean, maybe like a five minute discussion and then <laughs> you have to find other things to talk about. Yeah. So we just wait so we can get the overall feel of a show. And so we um, we watched Defending Jacob, which um, I thought I thought all of it was out when we first oh, went yeah, to you... it. And it was only like two or three episodes yeah. at that point. And we're like, ah. they do it weekly like losers. <laughs> does that um so uh the show the director is morton tildum mark bomback uh is a creator and william landy is because it was based on the novel yep. so uh, william landy i believe was uh was the the writer for for that novel um starring chris evans uh michelle dockery jaden martell cherry jones uh pablo schreiber who we know as porn stash uh-huh. uh betty gabriel uh who whenever I see her, I always think of her. No, 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 yeah, yeah. get out. <laughs> always think of that scene. And uh, yeah, so so this show is, uh, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting because it has, there, there, you can still pull that into this recent climate mm-hmm. in terms of relative, uh, relativity. It wasn't yeah. intentional. I just saw like the trailer for the show and I was like, yeah. oh, I want to see this because. Yeah, I've seen it. I've been wanting, Chris, it's been on my radar. Chris Evans is like. You know, it's it's weird. It's weird. I feel like he's always going to be Captain America to people. Mm-hmm. To me, I always go to Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim, yeah. So when you know when when all of that had uh, had begun and and the Marvel world, you know, just kind of started making stars of everybody, and you know, everybody was talking. I don't I don't know that Chris Evans was very popular prior to. Well, he did Fantastic Four. Oh, we like we want to forget that. overall i mean i i I feel like obviously once you play captain america in a a film that's solely focused on captain america like that you know you're there um and so it so for me personally i always 
think of him as like Lucas Lee. Like that's that's just who he yeah. is. And I picture him as like some um, smoky skateboarder. Yeah. And uh, so I, I kind of like to see when he plays just d- very vastly different parts. Yeah. And he does a, a decent amount of quote unquote indie films mm-hmm. and uh, more character driven stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the story follows a family. Uh, he plays a prosecutor. Uh, yeah, a district attorney. District attorney. Assistant district Assistant attorney. Assistant district Yes, that's right. And um, his son is accused of murder. Mm-hmm. Of murder. And it's the big who done it. Yeah. And of course, all the fingers point towards his son. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes they don't. Right. And so you have to, you're left to make that decision. Mm-hmm. It's a real who done it. <laughs> it's a real. It's a, it's a real who done it. It's uh. What's what the hell? What's the name of that game? That board game? Clue. Is it Clue? I never played that game. No. No. I felt like it would last forever, like yeah. Monopoly. And he just did Knives Out too, so he likes him a Who Done It. He like he likes him a Who Done It, and and so I I obviously was interested in this show, and yeah. and and you know I I love anything that's like ooh ooh. We're yeah. never you know, and I was hoping that there wouldn't be a definitive answer. Yeah. And spoilers, there kind of isn't. Yeah. Um, and that's what I liked about it. But I felt like the ending, the very ending, was kind of lackluster. I felt like... It was weird to me. It just, it built up so much yeah. through the whole show. And then at the end, I was like, okay, I mean... It definitely, the ending didn't, it didn't end like a limited series. I mean, I'm all for ambiguous endings. We, we both like those a lot. But this one was kind of like, almost like a cliffhanger, sort of, to me. It wasn't it, the ambiguity that I... That I didn't. No, I'm appreciate. just saying I, I, I it didn't. It was just to me. It was too simple. Well, yeah, like it but that on and such that, a like. That's how you ended it. Yeah, but that and then like it's it's it's. I don't know. It doesn't really feel like an ending. It just. Will there be another season? Yeah. Because if I there mean, is, then I take it back. Right. Well, supposedly it's a limited series, but I feel like everything starts out as a limited yeah. series, and then all of a sudden we've got another season. But did they make this ending expecting a second season? You know, hoping probably hoping, more so. Yeah. So I, I I don't know. I mean that that's the book. You know, it fall, like there's no more source material if mm-hmm. they do a second season. So um, they well, would be kind of there wasn't Game of Thrones either. Well, yeah. <laughs> so like, no, I know. I'm they just wrote saying that, that dragon till the end. Yeah. You know, I'm just um, you know, and immediately I had I had to look up the book and see how that ended, which I would have preferred that ending. But I feel like mm-hmm. the book's ending is a little more is a little less more satisfactory. No, it it kind of leans in one one direction a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, which I you know I, I understand the changes they made and why they made them, but you know um, I just wish that. Do you understand the changes and why they made them though? Yeah, yeah. I well, I have my my theories okay. is that they wanted it to be more blurry. You know, they wanted it to be more ambiguous of did he or did he not? Where the book I feel like kind of leans in one direction a little bit stronger. I, That's my opinion. I, I appreciated it, and I, I have to credit the the writer of the of the actual novel for this because this is their story. I I, ha, I appreciate the you know the the um, the question raising right. A lot of cases uh, and a lot of uh, murder cases and things where people appear to be guilty, and we jump on behaviors, uh, characteristics. If somebody has visited a particular website that'll solidify somebody's guilt for a lot of people. Right. But the reality is that lots of people visit those websites that don't do those things. So yeah. it's not a given that if you have a morbid curiosity or even just a, a sort of dark personality mm-hmm. that you're automatically capable of murdering somebody. Yeah. And this kind of goes back to that case, that cop case of the guy who, was he was like on that cannibal website talking to other people about like murdering a woman and eating her mm-hmm. and um he was arrested and the 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 constitutional sort of uh topic that was raised was you know were his rights being impeded on for something that he didn't do he talked about doing it right but he didn't actually do it. Right. And so how do you prove his intention? Right. It's not minority report yet. <laughs> hey, uh, what did we learn at the end of that movie? Uh, <laughs> so 
uh, that didn't help us at all. So yeah, you know, is is how do you how how do you prove that intention? And uh, does that does that automatically equate to somebody's guilt? I don't know. Um, I, so I really liked that aspect of it that they kind of threw these little wrenches in mm. to sort of you know try to sway you one way or another. I guess personally. And not because of the websites and 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 so much of of the things uh, that were uh, written that the character like physically wrote. Um, I just um, I felt like he was guilty, mm-hmm. and it was more so. I mean, and this is the weird thing too, is because teenagers are they're so fickle and they're so stupid. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they just they they haven't fully developed in sorts in in sense of. Uh, uh, in terms of their sense, rather. And so there's a lot of things that they do that you're like, why the hell? Like, if so, if I was being accused of murder, I don't know that my life just goes back to the way it was. I don't know if that's a teenage thing yeah. or, you know, but I would be living in a perpetual state of anxiety and and fear. And so, you know, then there was just these frustrating moments of like, okay, so your kid who you know is impulsive and does stupid stuff, like, why does he even have a laptop or a cell phone yeah. at all? You would basically be sitting in your room watching TV for hours on end. Yeah. You're not leaving the house. You're not talking on the phone. You're not playing games online or interacting with anybody. Yeah. And I would expect that from a parent who isn't a DA. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. So as a parent who is a DA, who knows how important all of those little actions are, how do you offer that much freedom yeah. to your kid? And I think a big point of, of the of the movie and um and at least the the father's stance is that, you know, anything you put online never really goes away, you mm-hmm. know, and, and that you know, they kinda hit on that a lot. And so as the father knowing that, you then willingly give your child access to the unfettered access to the internet and knowing that he's already made a bunch of mistakes it's like maybe you need to kind of rein that in a bit or something i don't know it was that really like like buddy come on now buddy it was just this like this real like romper room kind of like (laughs) approach to parenting that i was like yeah no like (laughs) i would be in jail for beating that kid down for having gone online in the first place you know, it just a lot of that was like just really frustrating uh, to watch. But, um, you know, then you have you have this other character that they bring in who's a sexual deviant. And there's the the audience is automatic. The audience automatically wants to make that person guilty. Right. And uh, again, this is a situation where nobody's saying that he wasn't guilty of the crime that he committed. But that doesn't automatically mean that he committed this crime. Right. Um, but we have this very, uh, this this kind of like a really strange, foggy, filtered way of handling uh, sexual deviance in this country. You know what I mean? And, and in, in that we don't treat it, we don't try to treat it. It's just, you know, you're guilty and that's it. What people aren't realizing in, in, those, uh, in those cases, which was what they expressed in this, was the importance of that, is that your... Your uh, your this this sort of carnal desire to to just stick it to that person because of who they are now leaves another person open. Yeah, you know, so you don't have to like this person at all. We don't have to agree with what they've done and the actions that that they've um, taken part in. But if they're not the ones that you know, there are people that don't that actually don't care that have the mindset of like, you know what, I don't even care if that's the person that's di- that did it, but they're a pedophile, so let's. Ju- I want to see them suffer. That is separate mm-hmm. from this issue. Right, right. That is separate from this issue. This person— Because it's not just about that person at that point. It's about, like, oh, just let— Who's out there. Right, they're still out there. <laughs> There's someone right. else out there. So I don't understand how—and and you'd be surprised by how many people have that— they, take that kind of stance on it like yeah. almost just don't care as long as that person is blamed for it um so i thought that was that was i, I liked the message there i thought overall it was it was a good show and i enjoyed it i just felt like the ending was magoo it was magoo i thought like that's it mm-hmm. like that's where we're gonna leave this yeah and not because oh i don't know i just felt like 
there were so many ways to have incorporated that like ambiguous ending that wasn't as yeah. boring, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I like the the ambiguity of did he or did he not do it? It's just the whole situation that they're now in is just feels like mm, okay. Yeah. Like, Weird. Anyway. Anyway, so I mean, w- I, worth I, watching though. Yeah. <laughs> Now that we've destroyed the ending for you, I did say spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, okay, so we're gonna we're gonna jump into the next jump into the next show, um, which was one that you know you go th- you go through your 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 Netflix and uh, your your Hulu's and your and, and you I I love to just make lists of things. Sure, I could probably if off of my lists on Amazon, Hulu, and Netflix and Disney. <laughs> I could probably watch a show every day for like a year and a half and, and be able to watch something new every day. Yeah. And um, and that's not including shows, a series that has several episodes in it. Yeah. Um, and so I, I have this this habit of being like, I'm going to watch that and then not getting to it until much later. And so I admit that because of everything that's going on, I, I did remember this this uh, show when I went back to a uh, next show, uh, rather a documentary, and I went back to it. Um, you kind of missed the beginning of the documentary and you came in mm-hmm. a little bit later because you were like actually working and I kind of started it. Uh, so on Hulu, there's a show called Crime and Punishment, but it's like crime plus sign punishment. If you look up crime and punishment, you're going to get everything except yeah. that movie. So you have to remember to do that. And um, so th- this show was basically following... Documentary. Sorry. Yes. This documentary was following uh, several police officers that uh, were filing a lawsuit uh, in the NYPD um, for discrimination. And, uh, you know, uh, the, it was... It had started with, with the quotas. Right which the NYPD denies is a thing. I think they admit that it was a thing, but is no longer a thing. It's illegal right. to have quotas. Right. And we know that we know that that's not the case. Yeah. Um, I know people that have police officers in their family that confirmed <laughs> yeah. their quotas very much so. Uh, so this was this was very interesting to uh to see to see what was going on there especially now where you know you you're you're having the um the 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 topic of good cops good cops versus bad cops mm-hmm. this whole bad apple theory um which I, I don't understand how this is an argument for people where they're like you know it's a couple of bad apples like there's no space for a bad apple in an organization whose purpose is to weed out bad apples yeah well i think people throw that phrase around but they don't understand that the phrase is it only takes a few bad apples to spoil the whole bunch. I have one that I enjoy actually. You know, it's like it's like yeah, there may be a few bad apples, but you know, um, it's the people that are weeding out those bad apples, not the yeah, the, you know, the the I don't know. And there are there are some cops that are you know whistleblowing for lack of a better phrase, other cops, but it's um, not as prevalent as it should be. Yeah. Well, so first of all, so I just, I, first of all, I just want to say uh, the the um, director is uh, Stephen Meng, who I believe is known mostly as a cinematographer, editor, producer. Um, so th- this was his documentary. And um, there's 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 a phrase that I that I heard that I really liked, which was that um, bad apples come from rotten trees. Mm. And I thought in this particular case, especially when it comes to police departments, that is especially true. Mm. Because, yes, you have bad apples and you have people that abuse their power and um, you have this this sort of uh, brotherhood, if you will, <clears throat> of a don't ask, don't tell kind of policies. But the real issue, and not that it's the real issue, because someone being a, a crooked cop is an issue, but where this starts, I think, and how you tackle this is accepting the fact that this behavior is not only tolerated, but encouraged by higher ups. Mm. So you have supervisors and chief chief of police and all the, you know, yeah. wh- whoever the hell you answer to as as a, you know, as a beat cop um, saying to you, listen, you don't have enough arrests. And that's a lot of what this documentary focuses on, as well as um, actual uh, several police officers who were um, filing suit. Um, there's uh, Sandy Gonzalez, uh, Manny Gomez, Edwin Raymond, who was uh, one of the police officers as well. Um, 
I don't remember uh, the the name of the the guy who was playing the this the lawyer. Um, playing the lawyer. Playing the lawyer. <laughs> I think of everything as a film. Yeah. The guy who was the lawyer, yeah. um, who uh, sort of makes it his business to work with people that have been falsely accused. And mm-hmm. he actually said to somebody, like on a phone call, um, "Don't waste your family's time and money if you're guilty, because like that's not going to work." You yeah. know. It, it, and um, if there were, if there were ever a more shining example of the sheer conspiracy type um, mindset in the police department. It was in the story of one of the uh, victims that had like seven arrests and every single one of those cases had been dismissed. Yeah. And that's where you start to see how this works. Because you're going to have people out there that are like, don't do the crime if you can't do the time and this and that. Seven dismissals. The question is, as a judge, how are you not going, hold on. (laughs) How the hell have you been picked up seven times and then proven innocent seven times and not have that be an issue of profiling? Yeah. Because in the system, that arrest doesn't go away. You're not guilty of it, right? It's not if you apply for a job. It's have you ever been convicted? Right. right, Well, I wasn't convicted. But to another police officer, when you're stopped, you've been stopped seven times. And for some of them, it was like attempted murder. We're not talking about like jaywalking. Like you got picked up on attempted murder, dismissed. You got picked up on armed robbery, dismissed. Mm-hmm. carrying a weapon how does that get dismissed without the weapon i don't understand yeah. that like well there was no weapon how the hell did we get this far how are you sitting in jail for several days when there's no weapon yeah and you were arrested on carrying an illegal firearm yeah but you have no firearm yeah i don't understand there's just yeah there's no accountability and i think that this kind of highlights a lot of that the issue there was they kind of focused in on one guy who I think he sat in jail for like eight months or something. Yeah. And then his case was just dismissed. In Rikers, no less. Yeah. Look, jail's not fun, okay? No no jail is good. Yeah. Um, Rikers is parti- in, in New York State is particularly fucked up. Yeah. Like Rikers is not, you and know. There's it's, no, there's no, you know, there's no accountability for that, you know. No. Um And I think that that is a cause of the pro- a lot of problems for a lot of people is that, you know, it's like someone could just be like, hey, you're you're guilty. And then you spend eight months in jail and then it comes down like, oh, he wasn't guilty. We, and we countless got the, amounts of money that yeah. you never get back. And, it, it, you know, it's one thing if they felt that was the case and they pursued it, but then which could be a whole separate argument of itself. But then to just dismiss the case, it's just I don't know, man. That's an inadequacy on on the and police it departments and that I feel you should be compensated for. If I'm going to spend eight months of my life in jail because it took you that long to try to find me guilty, yeah. then I should be compensated for that because... Or find you not guilty. Yeah, I'm sorry, to yeah. find me not guilty. You know, who's paying all those lawyer fees? Yeah. I've lost my job. I've had to drop out of school. My GPA's dropped. You know, yeah. like all this... It's this trickling effect that nobody yeah. really because takes there's no accountability. Account. I think you know uh, this doesn't solve all problems, but having the accountability of like, all right, well, if you're going to arrest this person, like it has to be you better mean it, right? And if and if you're wrong as an, the officer or whatever, then then you there there needs to be repercussions for that because it needs to be you know it, there needs to be a good faith argument. That you can have as to why right, this happened. The problem is that this ties into what I had mentioned earlier, which was the quotas. Because what this is really about is that that arrest becomes a notch on that cop's right. belt. Okay. So if you are arresting a hundred people a month, that's amazing. Yeah. And so they don't the the issue is that their supervisors don't care about actual guilt. It's that it goes into the, the system. Game, yeah. yeah, it's a systematic game where it goes into the system as an arrest. The cop gets the credit for that arrest. And then the department is able to say, hey, we need more money. Mm-hmm. We need more funding. Hence why for New York, since de Blasio has been in there, the budget has been the highest that it's ever been. Yeah. Um, I'm not getting into that asshole right now. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, you know, uh, I will say, however, that he defended the cop that assaulted uh, 
uh, Diallo in the 90s who sodomized this man with a fucking broomstick or mop handle. And that dude is a contractor for the city. Just working, like making six figures a year. And de Blasio was like, well, hey, you did his time. Yeah. Which is interesting, though, because when other people do their time, their lives are ruined. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so funny how that worked out. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's the systematics, this this Ferris wheel of like you bring them in, you spit them out, you bring them in, you spit yeah. them out. And you, it, there's just like no no uh, regard at all for what that does. But to me, it's it's such a double edged sword because, you know, you want to have more arrests, which just equals a bigger budget essentially is, is how it works but then if you if if crime is getting so bad that you're constantly arresting people what the fuck are you doing as the police do you know what i mean like you're the whole point of the police is to serve and protect and to cause crime to drop mm-hmm. but if crime keeps rising because you want more money then it's like then you're not doing your job well a lot of the a lot of the percentages they'll say well crime has dropped the crime rates have dropped up because we're doing our job i think the 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 other issue that that it's a question that begs to be uh uh brought up is that do we really need all these cops if you're having to look for crimes yeah then do you really need this budget we already know the answer the answer is no you don't, but they have to keep that facade. That's how. Oh, you keep it was that a going. rhetorical question. I ah, see what you did there. You see what I did there? Yeah. Smart. Um, another, another sort of like little, going back into the Rikers thing. I just want to jump back into that. There was a show. I oh God, I want to say HBO. Um, called The Night of. I don't think that was yeah. Showtime. That was HBO, I think. Um, and Riz Ahmed was in it. Um, John Turturro. Yeah. And um. He's sent to Rikers, which, again, anybody from the city knows, like, Rikers is like, it's no joke. Uh, and the the problem, the problem here is that saying, OK, well, this person had to spend eight months of uh, their life awaiting the moment to be proven innocent. The particular person that they focused on for that, the judge, I remember when they, they first brought him up to the judge, they had offered him, I think, a couple plea deals, and he didn't take them because he was adamant on the fact that he was innocent. And the judge just seemed baffled, like, are you sure? Because, you know, if you take this all the way, like, it's not going to look good for you. The judge had no interest in whether they were innocent or not. It was just take the plea deal. Right. Take the plea deal. And it was the same judge that wound up having to dismiss the case because he was proven innocent. So had I listened to you, yeah, I would have been free, but I would have had a record. Right. You asshole. Yep. Uh, so if you haven't seen The Night Of, um, Riz Ahmed's character is uh, um, accused of being uh, accused of murdering mm-hmm. somebody. And um, in jail, he sort of hooks up with uh, a character uh, played by Michael Kenneth Williams, um, who's kind of running the show. And he the the whole the whole point of that show that kind of it flew over a couple people's heads when they were talking about that. I was like, how did you not pick up on this? Was that he became institutionalized. Right. And that that was the real problem. There's no way in hell that you're spending it. I don't care who you are going in. There's no way unless you have been in jail for many years and you had, you know, this has been a life of crime, as they say. Mm-hmm. Um, but someone like myself or like yourself that doesn't have any experience with doing time. You go into Rikers, if you come out of Rikers in one piece, you did some shit. Yeah. It is very difficult to survive that environment without either getting your ass kicked, kicking someone else's ass, being raped, raping someone, stealing, doing drugs, or smuggling drugs. Mm -hmm. It is virtually impossible in those situations to keep your nose clean, as they say. If you've watched the show 60 Days In... You know that. In fact, the person that sits there and tries to seem ambiguous, you're a fucking target. It's a bullseye and they come right at you. Mm -hmm. So it is virtually impossible to stay honest in that situation. And so the story in the night of the lesson being taught was that he changed and they showed that progression as his parents visited him, what was happening to him, you know, getting tattoos, the way that he spoke, the way you have to acclimate to that environment in order to survive. And personally, I feel like that is irreversible. Mm -hmm. So you have somebody that goes in that doesn't maybe doesn't have a criminal 
mindset, but will leave with one right. because that was their survival. Mm-hmm. And now they have to come into the real world. And that's just eight months. There are people in there for 15, 20 years and then get released. And you expect that person to just like start working at Target. Yeah. <laughs> like, do you really think that's going to happen? Do you have any idea what goes on in jail, which is a whole other topic mm-hmm. of, you know, uh, uh, jails being for profit and and create you know you look at jail in other countries and in in your in in Europe for instance it's like camp yeah they don't even close the doors in some of these places yeah. you're allowed to just come and go they try to rehabilitate you they actually well, try to work on recidivism here it's the, like forget it yeah that's I mean and, and I think that's a you know obviously an issue in this country is that it's not about trying to change someone to make them better it's just about punishment you know right. what i mean it's not about rehabilitation it's a very political episode it is yeah but you know what the shit needs to be said sure it needs to be said mm-hmm. because you know what it can happen to any one of us and there are people in this world who are far more susceptible to it based on demographics mm-hmm. but anybody right now can say that they saw you somewhere that you never were yeah I know who did it. Yeah. Paul Robinson did it. I saw him with Who's a gun guy? at this bar and he shot this person and ran. And now it would be my job, because you're in jail, to find a fountain of finances to prove your innocence. Yeah. And that could take months or years. It could never happen. So it's just one false allegation can change your life completely. Mm-hmm. And that that's why I feel like... Regardless of, uh, you know, what the topic of our show is, this is this is something that can happen to anybody. It doesn't matter who the hell you are. A finger is pointed at you. Uh, If you don't have financial resources or clout to be able to buy your way out of that. And uh, it certainly happens in an unequal way. You know what I mean? Like there's it's it's heavily weighted towards minorities and right but that's why i said like if i if i if i'm a celebrity and i can buy my way out of that you would you probably won't even hear about it on the news yeah if i buy it out soon enough yeah then you're good to go but uh you know it trickles down that's what i'm saying in terms of demographics it's going to be a lot more likely that that happens but the reality is that it can happen to anyone it has happened to people in you know middle class uh suburbs have been accused of something that they never did because someone had a vendetta against them and you know that's all it takes so yeah so crime and punishment really good documentary um very relevant to the time now uh frighteningly frighteningly so Mm -hmm. i don't know why i always get tongue-tied with that word and uh so i i would definitely recommend watching that and um uh, the 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 example of a good cop there's a bunch of that in there yeah um the, yeah, pro- the problem is that their hands are very much tied and they're silenced and they are uh, ostracized for it. Yeah. And so you get to kind of see how that works. Yeah. And uh, it's, very, it's very interesting. So um, I, I would definitely recommend watching that. Yes. The final review. We're grownups. Um, the final show was one that I saw on Netflix, in case you've noticed the pattern here, it's a lot of me being like, sit down, we're going to watch this because you're like usually working or you're so indecisive. We play the couples game of like, so what do you feel like watching? I don't know. What do you feel like watching? I don't care. Well, I don't care either. Well, I don't care. Why don't you just put whatever you want? Well, I don't care. Why don't you just put it? This goes on for like an hour until we eventually have an argument over it. And then we don't want to watch anything yeah. anymore. Well, you're, so. you've, I, I'm, look, I have some, you know, um, we have different tastes a lot of times think? <laughs> and um, I'm fine with watching whatever, but you want me to, you know, so I'll say, just put on whatever I'll watch it, you know, but then you want me to want to watch something, but I have nothing. Because it's a shared experience. Like I, I, yeah, but it doesn't, it's all, it's all shared. Shut up. You know? <laughs> hey, just stop. Just put it. something on. Just I'll cork watch it. it, sir. Um, so this show, I, I kept, pa- I didn't even have it in the queue. I just kept passing it because I was like, eh, eh, I don't know. And I, I, you know, I looked, the cast had me. I'm like, I, you got me with the cast. I'm in. But then I don't know. I just feel like this is going to be just like, you know, bullshit rhetoric that I've already heard. Uh, and then it was a, it was a, a quick decision. We were, we were heading into the, the, the uh, orchestra of, mm. I don't know, what do you want to watch? And yeah. I was just like, I'm putting this on. Yeah. I'm starting it. And uh, that uh, show was the Waco series. 
yeah on netflix this show like flew at warp speed under the radar yeah i knew that it had been made mm -hmm. i remembered when i had seen like the cast and a trailer for it and i thought well this is a really good cast and yeah yeah but it's a great cast for yeah. some reason i just didn't expect anything amazing from it mm. i thought Ugh, you know and a lot of that was based on the fact that I thought that it was going to be told from the government's perspective. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I'm already out because there was so much like contradict uh, contradiction and mm -hmm. and just weird, like unjust shit uh, in a lot of reports that I was like, I don't want to hear. I, I don't believe a lot of this. So um, I just I, I didn't give it the benefit of the doubt. And we jumped in and I'm very glad that we did. Mm -hmm. So the director for this show, um, uh, John Eric Dowdle, he did like a lot of the like um, those uh, as was it as above, so below mm -hmm. those horror movies, mm -hmm. uh, quarantine, mm -hmm. um, that kind of stuff. And so which I'm surprised like this is such a like weird jump. Yeah, I love that. Because yeah. I love different genres, so uh, I, I love that. So you have um, Michael Shannon, who's just like, like, how do you, like, how do you not love Michael Shannon? Yeah. Michael Shannon, Michael Shannon's not really somebody that you go to for maybe a soft character. Right. He has this like rugged kind of. He's he to me he's the epitome of a curmudgeon. Yeah. He's the most curmudged actor. <laughs> that's yeah. a word. That you've ever seen. And the fir my first experience with Michael Shannon, I believe, it might have been Take Shelter. I'm trying to think of the timeline in terms of, um, do you remember? Mm -mm. I remember Take Shelter, but I don't remember if that was no, the first time I saw him. No, we, well, we saw, we, I remember we saw Take Shelter in the, um, in the theater. And um, I think that might have been the first, no, it was Revolutionary Road. Mm. How could I forget? Yes. His character in Revolutionary, he was not very well known at that point. Yeah. And he played a character that was a small character that somehow managed to almost steal the show in the, I think, collectively, he was in the film for like maybe five or six minutes. Yeah. His character. And, it, you know, it was like you're watching you're watching this dude. You're like, who the hell is this guy? You know, yeah. because he played that character so well. And I think that's what drew us to go see Take Shelter when it was in the theater. Because I was like, oh, my God, that guy who played the nut that truth that truth told everybody yeah. in Revolutionary Road is starring in a film. And that's how kind of we started on the the, the Michael Shannon bandwagon. Mm -hmm. And then we saw him on uh, an off-Broadway play. And mm -hmm. he's just he's just great. And uh, so, you know, we were in, obviously, with with Michael Shannon. Um, Taylor Kitsch. This is a guy I don't think of. Yeah. I don't know what. This, it's my own prejudice and stupidity and like it's that it's pigeonholing you see somebody yeah. in something and you're like eh, that's all i'm gonna get from them and so like from him i don't know like i just thought uh john carter yeah i never saw that i didn't either but i remember yeah, yeah. you know the, the trailers and stuff and i was like eh, it's the john carter guy and I, and I don't know why i just really didn't um i didn't think i was gonna get what i got from watch him. That. uh andrea riseborough she's very good mm -hmm. um Rory Culkin, mm -hmm. Shea Wingham. He's he's been Shea Wingham's that uh, the kind of actor that he's like that guy that's in that thing. Yeah, you know his face and and uh, 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 Melissa Benoist. She says Benoist. I don't know why it's not Benoit. Yeah, <laughs> it's spelled like it would be Benoit. The the S throws you off because Benoit technically wouldn't have an S. But anyway, uh, and Julia fucking Garner. Mm -hmm. um, Demore Barnes, who was actually quite good in it, I'd like to see him in in um, something else. I thought he did really well with his character. Um, the uh, Paul Sparks, who played Steve, another good actor. Mm -hmm. I'd never heard of him before. Mm -hmm. So, oh, and John Leguizamo. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, just I'm just going to segue with with uh, with John Leguizamo. I don't think the man gets enough credit. Yeah, he's a good actor. He's a good actor. He's maybe not done such great stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, He's not always picked the greatest things, but I really like him as as a dramatic actor. Yeah. And uh, I don't think he gets enough credit. And like he's I just I don't know. I always, I always enjoy watching him. And my introduction to John Leguizamo was as a stand up comedian. Yeah. As a kid in the 80s. I remember him in Mambo Mouth. See, yeah. watching Mambo Mouth as a kid, which was wildly inappropriate. Um, but that's how I always remembered him. Mm -hmm. And then he did that ridiculous movie. 
where he played, what was it called? Like the something? I don't know, The Happening. (laughs) (laughs) He was the only good thing about that movie. And they killed him off ASAP. Um, No, it, oh my God. It was like what, The Pest. Oh, The Pest, yeah. It like jump-started his career sort of as an actor, I guess, you know. And it's like, uh, like to me, that does not at all encapsulate who he is as as an actor. I really like him as as a dramatic actor. Um, he was in Romeo and Juliet. After that, you know, so you kind of mm. started to see uh, more of what he could do. And so, um, yeah. So this is definitely not uh, a story that's definitely not being told from the perspective of the government being in the right. Right. Um, correct. Correct. But there are. There are some things that I was kind of like, I don't know, Um, only because I I 100 percent understand telling the story from their perspective because so much shit went wrong Mm. against them on a legal standpoint. Right. On a moral standpoint, they're a bunch of fucking loons. Yeah. I'm just going to, you know, like any like once you start. Oh, I'm starting a religious group. Naturally, you have to take on wives and, you know, they could be practically prepubescent for some reason that's just like a given it's one of those situations where it's you know people want to they don't want to think too hard about it and it's it's a very nuanced thing like these people are crazy clearly but then also the government burned them alive so it's like (laughs) you know there's a um you know there's a there's a there's nuance there and there's there's yeah they're crazy and they were doing bad things but the government killed them in my opinion, you know, based on this and the the, the research I've done since. I mean, no, they killed them. I mean, yeah. that's, yeah, they, they, they definitely killed well, them. Well, I don't want people thinking that I went to this opinion solely on this film well, because every film has an agenda. But here, I, here was the really interesting thing was that when it started, you, I don't remember the question. You asked me a question and I looked at you and I was like, are you not familiar with Waco? And you were like, I mean, I heard of it. Look, I was like, I thought you knew no, like all the details. I, I, I remember vividly watching this on TV. What was it, 93? I believe so. 90, uh, February, I think it started. Yeah, so I was in school at the time. So, I, And it's not that I can't remember my state of mind or if I was... You don't remember what you did like two days ago. Yeah, so I have a really bad memory. So yeah. I could have remembered it. But, you know, at the time I could have been aware of it. But, you know, in the 90s, you know, all I cared about was skateboarding and playing in bands. So... You know, Dude, anything like <laughs> anything like this that happened flew so over my or under my radar, over my head, under my I radar. I remember watching this on the news, like this standoff that was going on constantly. Mm. And um, so as I, you know, as I got older, I would read about it a lot. And there was there were just there were so many discrepancies in, in the story in terms of what the government was saying. on yeah. who st- You know, one of the biggest issues was that they claimed that um, uh the Davidians had um, shot first, right? And there was very blatant evidence in when you shoot through a door, you can tell which way a bullet is yeah. going, <laughs> and it was not going in favor of their story. They very much uh, started that shit first, yeah. And it was pretty evident. And um, yeah, I just um, look to say that they're all crazy. I mean, that you know, it's. It's sort of a flippant sort of thing. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. like people are freaking nuts. That's true. David Koresh was a nut job. Yeah. For sure. And, and I thought Taylor Kitsch did such a good job playing him. He did him. a really good job. He did a really good job of playing him. Um, if you don't remember what David Koresh looks like, you can look him up and, and you know, watch his manifesto that he recorded yeah. and, and all this stuff. Uh, but he, you know, obviously had these people in the palm of his hand. Yeah. And so you... You know, the the lure of a lot of these cults and these groups is that you take in people that are looking for that guidance, that are missing something in their life. Something's obviously missing in your life if you fall for this rhetoric. Yeah. It has to. Yeah. Nobody that is like functioning completely emotionally and psychologically would believe that this guy was the embodiment of Christ. Yeah. And that the only way to make it into heaven was to be one of his wives. Yeah. And... To give up your wife to him and practice abstinence. Yeah. Not for him. He doesn't have to be abstinent. Yeah. My my main question when we were watching this was, isn't this interesting? Because if you keep this going, basically all of the... Because they're basically trying to create their own community and world. You can't... Right. So, so he has to father every child 
in that community from then on out. If you bring your kids in, obviously they already exist, but he had to father all the children. So I'm like, all right, when he dies, if you continue that, doesn't that mean that there, there's a lot related. of incest going yeah. on at that point? Because your only option, like actually well, hopefully you bring more people well, in. So realistically, I don't know. Actually, no, I, I, I answered my own question because if he's the only one who does not have to practice abstinence, then only one person is making people. Right. So then the siblings wouldn't. Right. Procreate. But what happens when he dies? The next Messiah comes. Yeah. Right. So whoever would be the second in command, whoever he would make the second in command, that person would now be creating all of the people in I don't that. Know. Yeah. I mean, it was very sympathetic towards them, which is like whatever. But it's based on a book, uh, two books, actually The Survivor and then The um, Negotiator. Mm hmm. It's a combination of both because it's told from their Thibodeau. yeah, from both their perspectives. Um, and if you didn't know anything about it, you would think like, okay, they're a little weird, but they're not like they're not like such they're not like a crazy cult or something. So which they well, <laughs> well that but that's it. It was it was sympathetic to them in that regards. Um, and I mean, I got that even watching it because once you once you're like in an auditorium talking about Jesus. And once you bring in the yeah. abstinence thing, you're like, oh, okay, so this is a cult. Right. You know, um, one thing that they also did not do was they weren't exactly truthful. On, if they had portrayed the women in that show to look the way they actually looked, you would have definitely gotten the idea that they were in a cult from the start because they all looked like they were Amish. Huh. Not all the time. You saw, like, his, the, the, um, Melissa's character, his main wife, I guess, um, I'd seen pictures of her like wearing pants. But when they had let some of the people go, some of those hostages went out. They were like in full, like with the big hair yeah. and the like handmade dress mm -hmm. that you're like, oh, yeah, OK. <laughs> I, I, you know, th these people were obviously in a cult and they were having sex with children because all those all those freaking thing, all those cults and groups do that. A lot of um, they they claim Again, I don't know if this is so much truth or the government being desperate to be like, look, we did the right thing because these kids later claimed that they had been molested by Koresh. Mm -hmm. um, if and look, and that's the thing, too. Even if he had been molesting these children, that was not the way to go about it. That's like the government wants right. to use it as an excuse as, look, this guy, you know, he's a he's a pedophile marrying off kids and having sex with them. And he's, you know. The whole intention was for you to save these children from impending doom and you murdered them all. Yeah. The kids and the women and the kids in, the, in this compound were of no importance. This whole thing was over illegal weapons? Yeah. In Texas? Yeah. Like, if there's any place I expect people to have a bunch of illegal weapons, it's in Texas. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it was more, a, it was a personal vendetta mm -hmm. that got carried out. And I saw the I, like I've seen the pictures of the aftermath. You haven't because you can't look at stuff like that. It's really bad. Like yeah. when you think of what it would be like to burn alive or some people may have been, you know, dead from from inhalation at that point. Yeah. Um, but the one of the final scenes at the bus, you know, which one with mm. with um, Melissa, is that Melissa's character? Mm. That shit was heartbreaking. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like that's a really scary way to die. And I had zero compassion for that detective guy. Yeah. Like, oh, now you're crying and desperate like you did this, you yeah. know, and uh, they didn't get into a lot of their tactics. They used a lot of like torture tactics by playing music at night. Mm. They were playing sounds of rabbits being slaughtered. I know that was a thing. And at one point, and I maybe it's because of the um, like copyright and stuff, they would have had to pay for the song. They were playing Nancy Sinatra's These Boots Are Made For Walking. Mm -hmm. They were blasting that in the stereo, uh, in the speakers that were aimed at the compound. Um, it was it was really brutal. Yeah. And was he was he playing a game? Yeah, he was. He didn't want to come out. Right. Um, but. There was nothing to imply that they were going to kill themselves. Right. And it appeared if you, you know, I've, I've read, I've read a couple books on this and, uh, you know, conspiracy theories, everything. I, I read all, I want to, I'll go through all angles and you give me your story. Tell me what you're thinking here. doesn't mean I agree with it, but um, it, it seems like these people were on the cusp of surrendering mm -hmm. and were murdered. 
Yeah. They were burned alive. Um, and this whole tear gas thing yeah. that has been proven to end horrendously in almost every case. Yeah. Very flammable. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, we didn't know it would spark a fire and kill everybody. Like, really? Because it's happened, I don't know how many times prior mm-hmm, to this, yeah. where you knew exactly. I mean, I don't think that they thought well, yeah. that they would get trapped. You know, they, they figured, yeah, we're going to throw the tear gas in. They're going to see the fire. They're going to have to run out. But what they didn't account for was how, because the whole point was that they couldn't get the ins and outs of the compound. They had like this blueprint yeah. of it. But you don't know unless you're actually in there what's set up, what kind of doors are being used, yeah. if there's, you know, if the exit is big enough for this and that. And that's what wound up happening is that they shot the tear gas in, the fire broke, and people became trapped mm-hmm. and burned alive. Yep. It was like when you look at the when you look at pictures of remains and you're like, I think that looks like it was once a human being, that's how burned they were. Yeah. It's crazy. Crazy, crazy. So yeah, I did, couldn't I couldn't uh in my head, for some reason, I thought there was, I knew there was a shootout there, but I thought it ended in the shootout for some reason, and then it burned or something, but yeah, it was... Um, <laughs> they shot in, got them out, and they were like, fuck this place. <laughs> no, no, no. But I don't know. I mean, look, it's it was a fucked up situation, and, and so many things were done wrong, but whatever. Well, Michael Shannon was the, uh, the mediator. Yeah, negotiator. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And uh, who was sort of stomped out of the, the I mean he, they got rid of him in in the show they make it seem like they got rid of him right before all this happened but in reality they they had gotten rid of him like halfway through yeah so this was what was 51 days something like yeah, that 50, that this went on 51 or 53 they had gotten rid of uh, they had gotten rid of that guy well before that yeah and just kind of took to their own methods and tactics uh it's a it's a crazy show and everybody did such a freaking good job yeah such a good job just mm-hmm. like for the performances alone, even if you're not really interested in the story, but it's, I mean, it's pretty fascinating, which then you go down a rabbit hole because now you're like, you know, you want to look up uh, this group and, yeah, and yeah. Um, it's what you expect from, you know, these beliefs of the second coming of Jesus Christ and this and that. And, mm. and you know, it's, it's a lot of that crazy stuff, but just um, on a show standpoint, I wished it was a little longer because mm. I, I mean, I understand why, because how... How successfully can you hold an audience on a standoff that took 51 days to yeah. play out? You yeah. know, I mean, how many episodes of that can you watch? It's a lot of the same thing going on. So I get why. I think it was only six yeah. episodes. Yeah. I get why they only did six. But it's just that it was done so well that I was like, I could have stood like two more episodes <laughs> of that. Yeah. Would have been really, really good. Yeah. Um, so that, 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 was a, that was a really, really good show. I would definitely recommend it. Yep. Is there anything else? Anything else you want to talk about there, bud? No. Is anything coming? Attendance coming out, right? I would have really liked to have seen that in the theater, but I'm not stepping foot in there for probably the rest of the year. So. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that does in the theaters because their theaters are expected to be open when that comes out. <sighs> so it'll be interesting to see. I think that my look, my gut instinct is it's not going to do that well because people still, you know, you, look, you're going to have a lot of people that don't give a fuck and they're going to go anyway, mm-hmm. but. I don't think it's going to, it's not going to do as well as it could have if this wasn't happening, obviously. So I think it'll come to streaming quicker than normal. I kind of hope so, because yeah. I really want to see it. Either way, I'll wait for, I'll wait for it to be available on demand. I mean, with the exception of the... I'm not going to the theater. The circulated air thing, right? Because that's, the, for me, it's like a plane, you yeah. know, that's the problem with movie theaters. You're in one big room but there for me the bigger thing is that you can't police people to keep a mask well that's the bigger issue i was just gonna say because if you do the like the imax or whatever the one that we go to Mm -hmm. and you and if you block off every like you can buy two seats together i don't know how the hell they would do this but like you know if you keep a seat between those couples or you know singularly whatever there's a lot of space in there's not a lot of seats in those theaters because the the seats are so massive that they take up so much room yeah, but is somebody really going to be sitting there with like like night vision goggles on, yeah. like watching you, making sure? And then you're eating popcorn. Yeah. So there's no, you know, all you have to do is be like, well, I have a popcorn because then a lot of restaurants like and Disney and all that stuff, you have to wear a mask except in the restaurants, which I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Outside where there's circulating air, that would be the safer place to not be wearing a mask yeah. than in a restaurant. And how do you eat with a mask on? You can't. Hence, why the hell are we sitting in a restaurant, I yeah. guess? I don't know. 
it, it, it should be interesting to see how it plays out. Anywho, shout out Steady Geek and Reality Bomb Comic Cast, not up for debate. Perry, all of the people listening and the stuffs and then and, you know, keep reaching, keep reaching out, keep reaching out. I realize now it's like there's a lot of shit going on and it's probably not on the top of people's list. And no. that's OK. We totally get it. Um, that's the thing, too. Is just like, be safe out there. I feel weird trying to contact someone and be like, hey, come on our podcast. And it's like, there's some really important shit going on right now. And yeah, I don't know there if is. it's the there time is. to like there is. And so that's why I like or something. I'm not I'm not like really pushing a whole lot in yeah. terms of that. But also there's welcome distractions. It yeah. can get really difficult to just constantly live in this tense state. Yeah. And um, we're by no means trying to say it's not important, but I feel like it, it is important to um kind of take a break and just enjoy something for a while if you're if you're for if you're fortunate enough to yeah. to do that if you have the if you have the means and and you're able to then back like to the mental fight. Ha- mental health is like what good are, what good are you if you're falling apart mentally so you've got to like kind of reel things back at least a couple hours a day and just sort of take care of yourself Regroup and then yeah and then let's do this and then and do the thing so um i don't know what the hell's going on next week because shit's happening so you know we'll watch some things and yeah. we'll talk about it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. bye, bye. bye.